You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be talking about some of the reasons for restoration failure. We will also talk about alternatives to traditional restorative materials that exhibit bioactivity and biomimicry. Our guest today, Dr. Leanne Brady, is the Director of Education for the Pankey Institute. She also maintains a private restorative practice, Desert Sun Smiles Dental Care, in Glendale, Arizona. Dr. Brady is the founder and lead curator of the Restorative Nation, a supportive learning community for dentists, and is on the editorial board of several publications. Dr. Brady, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. So you've done a lot of podcasts with us and webinars. I was talking to you offline. I was wondering how you have any time to actually practice dentistry. You, you, you do do that still, right? I do still do that. Yes. Yeah. I'm still here in my practice in Glendale, Arizona, and I see patients three and a half, four days a week. So yeah, I managed to fit it in somehow. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure you do. Um, it was just tongue in cheek. But what's interesting is that people that teach end up really understanding what they're doing as a, you know, in the procedural way even better because you're, you're interacting with other professionals. You know, you think of it differently sometimes when you teach. Do you agree with that? You know, I, I absolutely do. It's really, for me, been um, one of the best strategies for my own continuing education, my own learning and staying up to date was when I launched into teaching. Because right. I do feel like I need to stay current on all that information. But I also think you know the information better when you say the same things over and over and over again. You know, you have the same conversations. It, it cements it in your memory differently. That, that is so true. That is, that is absolutely true. I remember when I was teaching in the endodontic program at Penn, to get your endodontic degree, you have to teach the undergraduate dental students. And um, I found myself learning it a second or third time. And by the time I was done with that semester, I was like, yeah, I think I, I think I get this whole end of the thing, you know? Exactly. Um, okay. So let's get into this podcast. So our listeners don't get bored of us chatting here. So with the advancements of technology, specifically CAD cam and dental materials, many of us are doing more and more indirect restorations in our practice. A lot of us are doing a chair side one visit. So once that restoration is complete and it fits beautifully, what do we need to consider regarding cementation? And what is your strategy for cementation of indirect restorations? You know, that's a great question. And, and like many areas of dentistry, it's gotten more confusing because we have so many more options today in restoration materials and in um, cements, adhesives. You know, we used to call them looting agents. It made it easy because it was only one group. Um, and now we have... Um, sort of what we call traditional cements, self-adhesive cements, and true adhesive cements. So figuring out how we're going to put the restoration in um, is, a, is kind of a different decision tree. So it's actually kind of nice, you know, um, several of the manufacturers, um, and uh, GC America is the one that comes to mind, have come out with an app for this where it actually walks you through the decision tree. So you put in the material of the restoration. That's, one, that's the first criteria. You know, am I doing, um, you know, zirconia full coverage? Am I doing lithium disilicate full coverage? Is this porcelain fused to metal? It's gold. It's, what's the restoration made out of? And then some of those restorations have specific criteria. So it limits your choices. You know, then you need to understand um, mechanics, retention form and resistance form. So how did you prep the tooth? How is the restoration fabricated? Do I have mechanical retention? Because if I don't, you need adhesive retention. 
And then now you're going to put those pieces together and it gets you through this decision tree. And the last piece is isolation. So, you know, am I using a material that's very moisture tolerant? So I, you know, I can have a different level of isolation when I put the restoration in or no, this is, uh, I'm going to need to really make sure I maintain a dry field to do this. So I look at restorative materials or the indirect restoration, um, mechanics of how the restoration was made and the prep and how they fit together. And then what I want to do or I'm capable of doing around isolation. And it should really walk you through a decision tree about how to put it in. So where is that app available? Um, you know, it's, um, should be pretty easy to, if you just go to the GC America website, um, and it'll direct you right there when you go to their stuff about cementation. Oh, that's amazing. So we're in the age now where we're actually <laughs> working in our restorative practice based on an app. So I, I use my Roku TV with my app. I change the temperature of my house with my app, lock my exactly. doors. I know when you're away on vacation, which no one is right now, um, you could basically feed your dog. And now we're doing restorative dentistry with an app. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got that information <laughs> or help with that information basically at your fingertips. So tell us about RMGI, resin modified glass atomer cements. How are they different than, you know, the traditional resin cements? And So, you know, resin modified glass ionomers are a category of cements that have been around a long time. So we've had those before we had some of the new all resin self-adhesive or adhesive systems. You know, glass ionomer is a material that um, for most dentists makes us feel very comfortable because we know some truths about glass ionomer. Um, you know, you use glass ionomer, you have very, very low risk to no risk of tooth sensitivity because it's so fabulous at sealing dental tubules. Um, glass ionomer in and of itself is antimicrobial. Um, you know, glass ionomer releases fluoride. And so, you know, we often hear dentists talk about glass ionomer with patients that are at higher caries risk. Um, and it's just been a very reliable, very predictable um, material. And we use it in so many ways. We're talking about glass ionomer-based cements, but of course we know we use it as a liner. We use it for pulp capping. We use glass ionomer for, for direct restorations. You know, it shows up in lots of different categories of dentistry. Um, but it's for many, many, many years, glass ionomers have been um, the lion's share of what we used to put direct restorations in. Resin-modified glass ionomers were an evolution of the original materials, and we add resin to the glass ionomer to marry some of the great properties of resin to the great properties of glass ionomer. So those are um, what moisture tolerance, right? Resins, once polymerized, are much more moisture tolerant than true glass ionomers are. Um, the resin allows us really super efficient cementation process. So we can use a light curing unit, we can hit the cement, get it to what we call a gel phase, we can start cleaning up in three to five seconds instead of having to wait for a pure glass ionomer to self-cure. Um, so we're marrying the properties of a resin with the properties of a glass ionomer and therefore resin modified glass ionomers. And they've been around for many, many years as well. And um, of course, when we think about resin modified glass ionomers, um, we went a lot of years without sort of a big evolutionary change. And then just recently, um, we have actually seen some new materials come on the market and some improvements in the material science behind resin modified glass ionomers. 
So when you said tolerant to moisture, you may have said that correctly, but I, I may have misunderstood. So glass onomer to me is the most tolerant. And you said when you add the resin, that's the tolerant uh, component. Um, You know what? So there's two pieces we think about with moisture tolerance. We think about um, can we use the material in a wet field when we're actually putting in the restoration without worrying about that compromising how the material sets, polymerizes, or sticks to the tooth. That's one piece of it. And then we need to talk about long-term water tolerance because it has to survive in the oral environment. Okay, so you're talking about the environment, yes, okay. Correct, right, so, so over that's time, like It's almost like wear resistance, but correct, wear resistance right. to moisture, and obviously resin is more wear resistance to moisture than a, a fully polymerized glass ionomer is. I correct. thought. Okay, over I thought, the long haul, right. Right, yeah, I thought you were talking about the chemistry of it while we're working with it. That's the opposite, actually, correct? Yeah, and I should have been more specific in clarifying that. So which RMGI cement are you currently working with? Do you have more than one in your office, or do you like to have a go-to? What's your armamentarium when it comes to using a resin-modified glass outerwear? So uh, I'll answer the question of having more than one. I don't. I usually have a go-to, um, and usually that's because I do prefer the physical properties or the handling properties of a specific material. And then also from an inventory control perspective, um, it's I already drive my assistants crazy enough. You know, if I had multiple brands of the same category of material, then they'd really want to want to strangle me. Um, so my go-to resin modified glass ionomer today is a material from GC America called Fujisem Evolve. Um, and I will tell you that for years and years, I used Fujisem too. And um, when they actually brought this new material to market, I was actually a little reticent because I'd used the other material for so many years, had such great results. You know, I wasn't looking to switch kind of a thing. It was just a there, hey, there's this new material coming to market. Um, and, you know, and I kind of in my brain thought, wait a minute, let, how can you improve on this? Right. What could you possibly do from a material science perspective to improve on this? Um, you know, so why would I switch? Um, and you know, I actually wasn't sort of an early adopter. And then I had some other KOLs who I respect greatly who were testing the product and I was hearing the conversations and they were raving about it. And I thought, wait a minute, now I'm late to the party. So, you know, now I want to try it. And as soon as I tried it, I was like, oh, this is not like a small tweak improvement in resin modified glass ionomer. Um, this is like an evolutionary improvement in resin-modified glass ionomer. Um, and, and that's all I've used since is the new Fuji Sem Evolve. So what was so drastically different about it when you first used it? What, what made what, you think it was a game changer? Well, as soon as you go to use it, okay, the instant you see your first restoration, um, you're going to experience probably the easiest, most efficient cleanup process of any resin modified glass ionomer that I've ever used. And so, you know, as they played with the chemistry of the material, the mix of resin to glass ionomer, the polymerization of the resin part of particle, um, it's got the most gorgeous ability to be tack cured. And I do what we call a quarter technique. I do about three seconds per line angle. And now I can literally just peel this off in one, like one little ringlet is what it makes. So it's so easy to clean up. Cleanup is just so, so important. Now, you don't do the cleanup. Your staff does, right? Your assistant does that? Well, in my office, I actually do do it. But that's a dentist to dentist um, 
piece of the puzzle, right? So you can, you can, you know, either way, whoever's doing it, you're going to notice immediately that it's so much easier. Um, the next thing that you notice right away is, you know, it's really common with some of our new all ceramic materials like lithium disilicate, some of the more translucent or aesthetic zirconias, um, that dentists will complain that the final restoration looks a little gray or what we call low value. And in this new Fuji Sem Evolve, they've managed to brighten it in a way where it really um, positively impacts the aesthetics of the final restoration. So that's also a huge improvement over the prior generation um, is that they were designing it with all ceramic restorations in mind. Let's talk about zirconia for a few seconds. You mentioned it briefly uh, in your previous response, but zirconia specifically, and again, that, that's becoming a really popular material. I know it's primarily for posterior teeth, but what's your preference for cement with zirconia? Are you still, you, you're using obviously GC Fujisam Evolve? Yeah, if I'm in a clinical situation where I'm gonna cement versus use a true adhesive system, um, then I'm gonna go to my Fujisam Evolve. And you know, zirconia is, as you said, it's becoming incredibly popular um, restorative material with so many uses. And one of the challenges with zirconia over the years has been predictively cementing or bonding to it because it is a totally different um, structure. It, you know, the adhesive process to it is totally different. And Fujisim Evolve was specifically as they were, you know, developing it and going through the R&D process, they were specifically looking for something that was gonna get um, really high bond strengths specifically to zirconia materials um, and and they've actually done that. So, you know, we've, we've raised the bar with Fujisem Evolve as far as our ability for the cement to adhere to or connect to the zirconia surface. We talked about in the introduction that you would um, talk a little bit about bioactivity and biomimicry. Does that apply to resin-modified glass onomers? You know what, I mean, it's interesting when we use those terms, uh, you know, bioactive uh, in dentistry. Um, I don't know that we've all kind of commonly agreed upon a definition for that. Um, but when I think about something that's bioactive, I think about a material that's um, really biocompatible with the dentin, very, very pulpally friendly, um, that encourages the pulp of the tooth to stay healthy after we do the restoration instead of um, being part of the process of pulpal degradation. And glass ionomer obviously has always been a material that's known for being pulpally friendly. Um, and you know that's why we've used it as a pulp capping material for years and years and years. Um, you know, the, you know, you know, what you're allowed to or not allowed to uh, market as a bioactive material, of course, is a different conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, glass ionomer, you're going to get super low sensitivity. It's very pulpally friendly. You know, I don't find lots of patients coming back and having challenges after I use a glass ionomer material. I don't think we have any other questions for you. Do you have a webinar coming up with Viva Learning in the near future? You know what? I actually just did it. It was last week. <laughs> right. No, I know you did that one. Yeah, you did an amazing job with that one. You yeah. had. Oh, yeah. I have another one coming up in February. Okay. Because you yeah. had a huge, huge, uh, you know, you're getting 900 to 1,000 people on your webinars with us. You have a huge draw. So um, 
We're very happy that you continue to work with us. And I know that you're in demand in a lot of other places, but we're Viva Learning's happy to get you. So we're glad we can get you on future webinars. Uh, keep working with us, Dr. Brady, and keep up the great work you're doing in the whole community as far as education and um, as a mentor that you are. Look forward to having you on future podcasts. We really enjoyed it. Always my pleasure. Good to talk with you.